0: So today we are going to be talking about freedom. As you guys know, this Wednesday is the 4th of July. And uh, I I boldly decided uh, this last week, that, that rather than just jumping into the Genesis series, which actually ended up being perfect so we could have the booklets for next week, um, that we would talk about freedom because it's it is such such an important um, reality for us to to us to, for us to understand and and then I went to this panic mode later in the week going I just don't feel like I know how to talk about this and and it, that feeling has survived. And so I, I just want you guys to join me as we enter into this subject because it's like you know not to use overused examples but it's it's kind of like for me asking you know, like a, a bird to describe the air it flies in or a fish the you know the water it swims in because I'm just so accustomed to it and and yet yeah, I want to I want to know it and treat it as special like it is so um, so we're gonna pray and then we're gonna get into Galatians five one which talks about freedom. And just kind of go on an adventure together. What does it mean to really uh, see and appreciate what true freedom is? So, uh, so pray with me, and we'll. um. Oh God, I pray that uh, that as we hear from you today, that we'll all just be amazed. God, we'll be become reckless in our lives and our faith to embrace the freedom that you speak of, um, the freedom that you dreamed for us to have and share. God, please just open us up to that today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So November 19th, 1863... Abraham Lincoln went to what was the Battle of Gettysburg, where it was fought, and he gave the famous Gettysburg Address, possibly the most famous speech ever given uh, in American history. Uh, Before him was a man who spoke for two hours, and Abraham Lincoln spoke for two minutes. And Abraham Lincoln's speech was one remembered. And he ends by saying this on this ground where 51,000 men had died. He says, We cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they fought here, have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which, we ge- which they gave their last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. And I think what, what we're looking for today um, is, is what Abraham Lincoln was looking for, for the people, which he says, he says, we must have a new birth of freedom. We must have a new birth of the idea of freedom. Because unless we have this new birth, understanding freedom, we'll never really appreciate it. It's what Paul is asking of the Galatians as we, as we look into Galatians 5.1. Um, in, in Galatians 1, he says, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. Because I'm astonished that though you've heard and though it's been clear to you at one point, I'm astonished that, that you don't remember how good it is, how good the salvation Jesus called you to is. And then in, in Galatians 5.1, he says this. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. So we're going to look at three things that hopefully um, help us understand and appreciate what freedom is because if, if you guys are anything like me, um, which I hope you're far beyond that, <laughs> but if you're anything like me, we kind of need to be jostled in our thinking and our affection and our lives to like again look at freedom and go, wow, is, is, that, is that what I'm living in? And the fir- so the first thing we're going to look at is that freedom is the dream of the victor. And that's what we get in Galatians 1. It's, it says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ being the victor, it's his, it's his dream that we merely get to live in. Right, as Abraham Lincoln said, the ground here, he says, we can't consecrate this, we can't make it holy, we can't make this special. It's been made special by what someone else has done. And when we come to our salvation, the interesting thing is, we can't make it what it is, Jesus has made it what it is. And then, and then we just get to, to hear and experience and try to grab a hold of how good and how special that is. And we live our lives so much struggling to get just how special things are that have merely been given to us. We're like, how do I treat this as good, right? When it's just been offered to me like a gift. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. So how this huge price that he paid, how do we see it as having that great value, the dream of the victor. Just so you guys kind of grab a hold of this, I'm going to read you something that might be a little lengthy, but, but I think you guys will, will begin to get this. The dream of the victor, what is that and how good that is? Um, this is just like American History Day for you guys. Um, this is another speech given by a man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr., they did a march on Washington. And he was a young Baptist minister who felt the call to, to fight for the freedom of, um, of the African American people. And, and he, is, he is, a, is a victor, right? And as we look at him and, and we hear what he said, listen to his dream. I'll try to read it with some from robustness, Okay. He says, I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together as brothers. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, it will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that one day in Alabama, with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the flesh will see it. He says, this is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will one day be free. And this is beautiful, considering this freedom. Listen to the way he says, he says, let freedom ring from the snow-capped mountains of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the slopes of California. Let it ring from the stone mountains of Georgia. And he goes on, and he goes on, and then, and he says, let's sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty, I'm free at last. And I read those words, guys, and it's so good. And honestly, my huge struggle this week was like, I don't, I don't feel like that that like robust longing for freedom. Like, like these words that were spoken by Martin Luther King Jr. or the words spoken by Abraham Lincoln, they had such incredible conviction behind them, such incredible conviction behind them. And, and truthfully, I, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I wish I did. And so, so much of my, I mean, I, I, so I'm coming to you this morning going, how do we dream the dream? <laughs> How do we see it as good and as great as it is when it's so easy for us just to go on by and, and, and never be confronted by that? In Galatians 5.1, we have to ask ourselves, what is the dream of Jesus? What is the dream of Jesus when he talks about Freedom. Because ultimately the dream that Jesus dreams, his dream of freedom, is a freedom that begets all other true freedoms. In John 8, he says, "He says if you, if you listen to my words and believe my words, then you will have the truth and the truth will set you free. Because it's only the truth that sets free right so so if abraham lincoln 's words are going to bring freedom, or martin luther king jr 's words are going to bring freedom, they have to at some point align with the free and the only true truth jesus 's truth can bring, and so, as Jesus is saying, I have come that you might truly be free. What is that freedom he offers, and how do we understand that? How do we be passionate? How do we be courageous about it? and at some point, our hearts like open up to so what is more than, than we would even dream for ourselves? First, we have to understand the dire need that we're in for freedom. Because so many of us are just okay not understanding freedom or not really living in it. We're just okay going by day to day to day going, it's okay, I'm fine here. <laughs> right? I can, maybe it's not perfect, but I can get by for another day. And Jesus's dream is a lot bigger than that for, not just for you, but for the whole world. And his dream for the world is this. Jesus's dream for the world is for an unhindered participation in the kingdom of God that the separation that you've experienced between yourself and God that is causing your life loneliness and pain and just trying to get by from day to day to day, Jesus' dream for freedom for you is that that separation will be taken away. In in Galatians, when he talks, the separation that the people were feeling was he goes, there's these we experience in our lives expectations and laws and other things that we see mounted up against us, and we can't, we can't meet those expectations. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's another thing that's setting itself up against you, and you feel then that God is against you because he has, he's, he's perfect. He has these expectations that you can't meet. And when Jesus came, he goes, I've come to set you free because I meet those expectations. <laughs> i 've come to share in your humanity and to fulfill humanity so you now can experience freedom, only understanding the the incredible the, the dire the the needy place we 're in can we understand why God himself would be the one that would intervene, why Jesus God himself would be the one to intervene and come and share in that. In Galatians 2.20, it's kind of like the manifesto of what freedom is. If you turn back, if you're in Galatians 5, you can just probably turn the page. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me and the life I live. Um, but the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. <laughs> and so that's this manifesto of freedom that Jesus is offering, that, that he, is, he is taking away our separation from him and welcoming us into a relationship with him that's built on love. A kingdom of love. Where, where what's reigns when, when Martin Luther King Jr. is talking about let freedom ring from the, the Rockies of Colorado, let it ring from the slopes of, of California. What, what is really being given to us and we're asked to join is, is God saying, I really want you to participate in love. <laughs> I want you to be loved again. I want you to share in that. I, want, I don't want you to feel lonely again. I really want you to be included in a relationship that I offer. Jesus' last prayer, his, his, well, the longest prayer we have from him in John 17 is this. And it ends with him saying, God, I pray that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. This is Jesus's whole idea and the freedom that He's about to bring is that, that we could be one with Him, like He and the Father are one. So f- f- that is freedom. Freedom is a relationship with God, um, to be to be craved for by us and be fulfilled in in what Jesus Christ offers. But I think why, why many of us who have even experienced coming to Jesus haven't um, have found ourselves again being burdened by the yoke of slavery, um, as it says in, in Galatians 5:1 it says don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery." If you turn to uh, Ephesians four, You'll find why. In 417, he says this. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it, that that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So so why is it that when this freedom is offered and, and we, we grasp at it going, God, that sounds so good. And at one point, maybe even I tasted it and it was, it was so sweet to me. But why does it not have that flavor, that sweetness, that longing for me anymore? Um, and this is part of it. He says because freedom is not just a state of being, but it's also a state of thinking, <laughs> right? He says, so so you could be living free, which oftentimes we do, right? In America, right? We experience so much freedom, and though that freedom is a state of being, our state of thinking can become so corrupt. <laughs> And he says, don't participate in that. He says, if you participate in that, this is the interesting thing. He says that you actually lose sensitivity. And this was illustrated to me yesterday. I was, I was at um, my grandmother's house in Puyallup. And I have a little nephew, August. And I got a bloody nose. Um, I get those sometimes. And, and so I was in the bathroom kind of dabbing my bloody nose. You know, <laughs> it was coming out. And he came he came to the bathroom door and he saw me and we're pretty tight. And and he got this look on his face like the world was ending. He goes And and he literally I think he thought I was dying. And and he just was a wreck and he went and started crying. Um he went to his you know his mom, my sister and he was just like he was he was a mess and 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 she goes he's okay he's okay so so I just got down here he came back over and he saw me still bleeding and he freaks out again right? and he runs back because he literally thought he thought I was dying and and honestly I, I don't even know how to process this full and present it to you but that had this huge impact on me and when I came to this and it says it says it's not just a state of being but it's a state of thinking I thought like I started piecing together what does it look like when Jesus says you've got to be like a child to participate in this. You've got to be like a child to, to own this freedom and this joy and this salvation you have. And partly is because, because I, think, I think we've lost that sensitivity, right, where his heart was just so willing to be broken because he loved me so much, right, that, that I don't remain that vulnerable and that sensitive, And guys, I think that even though we're offered this incredible freedom by Jesus, we live just devastating ourselves both emotionally and and, and psychologically, and the way we live where, where Jesus is wishing to restore us and say, I want you again to just be able to love and participate in relationship. I want you to have this, this innocence renewed. <laughs> Right? I want you to be able to share in this because there's been so much that's harmed you and broken you and hurt you and you don't have that innocence anymore. The sensitivity as it calls it in, in Ephesians 4. And Jesus is wishing to restore that. Guys, oftentimes we just, we stick in, we dig in and we're going, we're going, no. I'm going to accept this as like a, a philosophical truth that you're giving to me? And Jesus is like, no, this isn't just philosophical. I'm meaning you to fully experience this and be restored completely. This is what freedom means. In verse 20, it says, you, however, did not come to know Christ in that way by thinking in that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him according to the truth that is in Jesus. Jesus. You were taught in regard to the former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so we'll only be participants in this if we do this on an active day-to-day basis, if we're actively putting off the old man and putting on the new one. Right. It's this this daily practice that we have to go through of I'm gonna I'm gonna put aside that former way of thinking what I've participated in for such a long time and I'm gonna put put on the life that Jesus is offering to me. Right on a day-to-day basis. I'm gonna put off the old man and take on the new one. It's this daily decision that we have to make as we come to it going, oh, I want to do that. Right? Um, there's um, I I love books about uh, war, good books, and I was reading yesterday this one by Winston Churchill called Their Finest Hour, and he talks a lot about what he calls total warfare, and he says in total warfare there's a little difference between issues of war and issues of private life, right, and we have to come to that together, come to this, 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 this place where, where to re- realize freedom and to realize everything that Jesus offers, us. There can't be this separation of, of spiritual and natural. It says that all of our lives, every single part of our lives has to participate in, in what Jesus is offering. It's not like, well, Wednesdays and Sundays are my, my days where I'm really participating. The other days are days I'm kind of trying to figure it out. He says, no, on a day-to-day basis, I want you to involve yourself and participate in this so it's a daily commitment to change but what do we do what do we do to begin that that daily commitment to change and I'm gonna I'm just gonna wrap up with this Um, I think it involves um, for us that that new birth and that new beginning Um, and I just want to commit myself with you guys to do that um, since we started with the abraham lincoln quote we'll we'll end with one um, during the civil war he he called the national day of humiliation and and prayer because he was convinced that that what was going on in the nation a, a nation that would lose six hundred thousand plus people to a war right just within our nation. <laughs> Um, and he was convinced that it was because we had lost track of what God was really calling us to. Abraham Lincoln was convinced of this. And this is what he said. He said, we have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied, enriched, and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too selfish to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God that made us. Let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teaching that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our nation's sin and the restoration of our divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. And I, and I love this because I think that's really why we don't appreciate like we don't appreciate this freedom and and we know from exp- I think most of us know by experience that that in those times of appreciation and true praise, as we come to him and we, seen, and we have not forgotten him and his blessings and what's brought us this far and what he's offered to us, there's become this real participation um, in the freedom that he offers. Um, so, so today, as, as, we, as we sing some more, and, and this week, as especially we, we celebrate, um, ask yourself <laughs> um, what does it mean when Jesus says to us what is his dream for us when he says it's for freedom that Christ set us free what is he dreaming and are we participating in that dream he has for us um, or are we, are we kind of dreaming our own dreams and then saying well Jesus you need to fulfill these dreams that I have because um, his dreams for us are so far, so so far better than we we could imagine. Um, but I believe that beginning is like like Abraham Lincoln called this to, that the humiliation, um, the cry for repentance, um, that we need to participate in. Just going, God, this is where we've been, and and God restore us. Um, Restore us as individuals, restore us as a church, restore us as a nation, restore us as a world to really participate in the freedom that you alone offer because it's so good. So good. I'll pray for us and we'll sing. Oh God, Coming towards today, I've been filled with that seriousness that um, that you get when you look over a, a large burial ground of some battle, maybe like Gettysburg or something else, and you're filled with that seriousness just to say, um, what did these people find so worth dying for, <laughs> to give their lives for this this freedom at all costs, at the greatest cost, which was the cost of their own life, and God, we want to consider today, and I pray that you'll impact us with um, the question, what did, what did God consider it worth dying for? To give us freedom, a freedom that isn't temporary, but a freedom that's eternal. And how do we, with renewed courage and passion, participate in that freedom with all the, with all the enthusiasm that a soldier would in fighting for freedom. God, I I pray that you'll just make this reality to us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.